Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and I just want to hope everybody is staying warm and happy and healthy uh, with everything that's going on, just to let you know that uh, you've got good thoughts coming from this direction to you with the best wishes for uh, just staying healthy, because it, right now, that's all I can ask for. I Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for spending some time with me. And my guest today is Alicia May. With over 15 years of experience in the event planning industry, Alicia has produced over 700 virtual and hybrid events worldwide and has coached hundreds of entrepreneurs to successfully launch and run six-figure events. Her clients include Pepsi, Porsche, the Government of Canada, just to name a few. To this date, Alicia has helped procure over 20 million in event sponsorships, supporting entrepreneurs and small business owners in landing deals from companies like Microsoft, Google, Amazon, LinkedIn, IBM, Expedia, Capital One, and more. Alicia, welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. It's great to meet you. It's great to be here. And I so can't wait to get into this. Yeah. So topic. I think that when I was reading about what you were, what you're doing, I was like, oh my goodness, I've got to have Alicia on the show because right now I, we talked about this in the open or in the pre-show meeting. And that is part of this is for personal reasons. Okay. I'm a speaker and I'm like my calendar in April just died. And so everything has gone virtual. Everything has either been canceled or, and I'm like, okay, now I've got someone who is specializing in this virtual world. And listen, I have been on more zoom calls than I would like to admit. And I have, I won't say that I've fallen asleep, but I have yawned <laughs> through more zoom calls than I would like to admit as well. And so oh, oh, yes. part of what I want to talk to you about is number one, just the idea of moving meetings to virtual and what can be done with that, but also if there's any tips that you have for how to make those meetings successful and not just something where people are falling asleep through. So let me just ask, let's start here with the basic fundamentals. As people are moving from in-person meetings to virtual meetings, what are, what are you seeing? What are the trends? What's going on out there? Well, Rob, I think the biggest trend is moving to, to Zoom. A lot of companies are moving just to Zoom initially because they don't know how else to, I mean, I hate this word, it's the word of 2020, pivot um, to a, a better integrated platform that has more engagement, that has more features and options. But right now, a lot of the bigger companies are moving to Zoom um, to, to start out. Zoom fatigue is real. Um, it is It is unfortunate because a lot of people think they can just move a live event agenda into a virtual one. And that's mm. not the case, right? They right. are packing in this full day of 9 to 10 p.m. at night, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. and hoping, you know, with one break. And that's just not the case. We have to pivot successfully. We have to make that virtual event on Zoom or wherever you are have more breaks, right? right? Hit stop. And my my secret sauce to um, having a great agenda, first of all, is pausing or have a brain break, whatever you want to call it, um, every 60 to 90 minutes. 
Okay. That's really, really optimal for people to get out of their seats if they're sitting, making sure that they have adequate coffee, you know, going to the bathroom, but also just stopping um, you know, their, their stare from the screen, because it can get really right. My eyes, like we're talking before, my eyes are not the same either. Sure. And so that that's really the first thing that we want to, um, we want to understand is that we need to have breaks and that could, that's simple. It seems simple, but it also, a lot of people just skip over that part and go to the next, you know, yeah. you want to cram content. Sure. What? Okay. And let me just hop on this, right? Because what you're talking about is planning your event. And it's not just as simple as moving the agenda over of we were going to have an in-person event and now we're going to do that. But in-person events have breaks as well. Um, right. So what we're talking about, though, is the planning process. And I guess it's that's probably where it starts. What are your what are your tips for planning besides, besides including... Um, you know, some breaks every 60 to 90 minutes. What else are you saying? Okay, as we sit down to plan this, um, is it about how long it's going to be? Is it about what's reasonable? What are what are your guidelines for planning these right. events? Right, and I think uh, just to talk on that point a little bit, the companies, that they just don't have time. So that's why they're like, we're going to do this right away and we're going to do this. And the planning part is optimal because – you need to build your vision and, and the foundation of your event just as a live event, right? It's the same, the same rules apply for virtual. So it's the vision, it's your idea, it's the foundation, it's the who, what, where, when, why, um, you know, you were taught those in elementary school, but it's, it's a solid structure around that. And so people again, skip over this and we don't sit down and we don't, you know, strategize. We're not putting down the pen to the paper and actually seeing the strategic wise and the and the what's what's the event going to achieve and what's the purpose of the event so we really have to dig deep into that and to throw an event just to throw an event is 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 a bad bad way for you know it's it's we're, we're going to be unsuccessful with that so again the most basic reason is is the why and then start start your foundation and your success with that um, if you have to throw an event because there's an annual meeting or if there's something, again, we have to make sure that it is for a virtual um, setting, not just the agenda, but also engagement, right? Mm -hmm. we, we're talking about engagement and that Zoom fatigue and um, engagement does go farther than just a poll or the chat functionality. There are other ways to have an engaging virtual event. Can you give me some examples? Right, absolutely. So one one event that we're currently doing, we have um, um, first of all, we have a live DJ, which really picks up the energy because, uh, you know, just a Zoom meeting, you hop on, you get on, you know, for five, seven, eight hours, and there's no music, there's nothing engaging. We have a great live DJ at the beginning. We also have movement breaks every ten, um, every sixty minutes. We've got a movement break, um, and that also can translate into a scavenger hunt, a game. You know, first person to bring back a Santa-themed object um, to the screen, go run, right? And right. then coming back and they have the Santa will win a prize. Um, we also have, we played a virtual, it's called Virtual Fridge Bingo, where you would we would name all the um, couple of items and they'd have to go to their fridge, check them off, and whoever, you know, brought back their bingo card first would win. So that type of engagement, we want to see fun. We want to see because 
the world is kind of upsetting right now. I mean, that kind of it is. So we want to have that fun. And people, I think, sometimes are afraid to have fun because if it is a serious topic or if we are looking at, you know, some of the, you know, some events that are on a serious note, it's, it's tough, right? We have to get the best of both worlds. Yeah, I love what you're, I love that idea. Okay, because those are concepts I hadn't thought about exactly. I mean, I've thought about the idea of a break and I've thought about the idea of interaction. But your idea is people are at home. And so they're not just sitting wherever their desk is, wherever their computer is, they have access to the rest of their house. And that movement break is actually, you know, getting folks out there. Because here's the kind of the follow-up question that I was thinking about from before and that is one of the really important elements of in-person meeting is networking. It's that social aspect Absolutely. that you have in between meetings. Is there a way to incorporate that into online meetings? Right. And I'll give you a few examples. That's a great, great question, Rob. Um, with Zoom, there's breakout rooms. Quick and easy, and it's fun. We can randomize the attendees. We can assign one, two, five, ten people to a breakout room and have a great, um, you know, great way to network. With virtual event platforms, we have the um, features and benefits from that virtual event platform. A lot of them have speed networking or cocktail hour, where you can actually get into the platform, sign in, and randomize, um, be randomized into a pool of all the other their attendees and meet somebody one-to-one for a maximum of one, two, three, five minutes, whatever you set it to. So that's a great way to network, but there's also other capabilities with group chats as well on specific platforms. Um, There's 3D platforms where you have a little avatar. Um, And so it's really great. They're pushing the envelope to understand how people need to interact and network. Um, So those are a few examples, but we also always want to take it up a notch and we always want to make sure that people are you know even round table sessions where you have 20 per per room let's say and you have to go and meet you know 20 other people during the course of the event cool so we're talking about a, a number of different platforms there and um, i'm assuming that is more than just the capabilities of zoom and or Absolutely. we've got zoom we've got teams we've got google meet I, uh, what other technology are you talking about there? So aside from those, you know, a little bit more basic Zoom teams, there are platforms that integrate everything. So we have things like Hopin, Feedloop, Six Connects, Remo, Hey Summit, just to name a few. Um, my team and I, we've used over 100 platforms. There is There are so many platforms to choose from. There really are. And really you have to think about what makes sense for for your event and what are the most key important things that you want to achieve at your virtual event. And then you can decide, right? Then you can actually say, okay, I want speed networking. We have sponsorships and we we need breakout rooms. And if those are your top three features, right, then you can actually make a decision. But there are a lot and you have to do your research. Okay, let me just, I'm thinking here that a lot of times, people kind of view Zoom as the company meeting, right? So what, where you would usually get together in the, you know, in the boardroom to have a meeting, now you're getting together on Zoom to have that meeting. Or, you know, talking about doing a, a conference. But what other, what other 
businesses or whatever other meeting opportunities are there that can be run virtually that aren't just your classic, you know, we're just going to take what would be a regular company meeting and put it on and make it virtual. Again, there are so many options. There's, there's socio, there's pathable. I mean, I can go, I can, I can go on and on for the whole half hour, Rob. Sure. But there, again, there, there are many options and it's very overwhelming. I get it. Um, but if you, you know, again, doing your research and, and thinking, there's also um, another uh, software platform that's just for fun, for family gatherings that's outside of Zoom. Okay. Um, so Remember, the options are out there. It's just, you know, I know where to start, how to do things. But, um, you know, start from and start from somewhere where you know what your virtual event or platform should be doing and then and then research that. Okay. And I, I asked the question poorly. What I was thinking about is suppose somebody says like, okay, I have a roofing business. All right. Um, we don't really have company meetings. Is is there an opportunity for me to use the virtual platform to do something that that will be that will help me in the long run to gain customers being as I can't go out and knock doors or st- put mm. stuff under windshield wipers or you know whatever whatever that sure. is are there are there outside the box ways to do virtual events that would benefit not just your your classic businesses Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's, there's a ton of opportunities. There, there are, there are many, many. So you can start off with hosting small roundtable sessions or weekly biweekly webinar series, and it could be on Zoom, right? It really could. I mean, a lot, the, the world is familiar with Zoom at this point. So you can start hosting educational kind of series, um, quarterly, like I said, monthly, and then and then work your way up to something a little bit bigger. You can also participate in many different virtual events as well that p- other people are hosting as a sponsor, as a partner, as an even an attendee to kind of get your wheels going. But there are many different opportunities that um, you can start, even just getting familiar and jumping on Zoom with a potential client. So setting something up. So if you've never hosted a video conference, you're not entirely sure what to do, start small and then work your way up. We don't want to start out of the gate with a big virtual event that you're not sure what to do unless you hire somebody. (laughs) Sure. And I mean, in full disclosure, our interview today is being hosted on Zoom. It's it's become ubiquitous. It, it's everywhere, and you can't get everywhere. away from it. I, and in some ways, that's in some ways that is fantastic that we've got the technology and that is so accessible. But it, as you mentioned earlier, it's also so difficult because you feel like you're sitting on a Zoom calls all day, every day, and it just gets crazy. So I, I want to go back to one thing that you said, and you talked about developing your strategy, and I think you you have a particular a particularly set strategy that you're talking about a 90-day strategy. Can you talk to me about that? Absolutely. So, a 90-day strategy is is a great way to really outline what you want to accomplish with in particular to virtual events in 90 days. So, um, so example with one of my clients, she said, I know I want to host a virtual event. I want to do it in in a 3-month window. Where do I start? How do I do? What's the first thing that I need to do? And the first thing that you do need to do in in your 90 day strategy is really look at your community and your network, 
right? Think about those are your lowest hanging fruit. That's what I like to say. And that's where you're going to be serving your audience first. So starting to warm up, tease your launch, think about how you can serve them, right? Think about what you can offer them and then work your way up to that 90 day strategy. And the next step would be to think about how you're going to deliver this content in a virtual event. So is that going to be through Zoom? As we mentioned, uh, what kind of platform do you want to use? Starting out small is okay. Starting out small on a Zoom or Teams or Skype, whatever you want, you can start off small. And that's where people get kind of in their heads. I need to do this big thing and I need to spend $10,000. You don't you don't need to do that, right? Right at first, if you're small, you want to build up to it. That's that's great too. Sure. Um, you know, that, so that first step again is is to look at your community. Your second step is to actually do your event foundation, right? Like I'd mentioned in the very beginning of our interview, think about the the, the five W's, right? The who or the what, where, when, why, um, and then you want to think about building out from that. I, I use this something called the umbrella effect. Um, it's really effective when I coach my clients and how I uh, keep them in line to really pull the truth out of them because it's hard. Well, I want to host an event and I want it to be great. Okay, great. But how can you do this, right? Start with your core theme. I want to help entrepreneurs make more money. Let's pretend, right? That's your theme. And then you're going to go to the next step. How are you going to do that? Well, here's how I'm going to do that in in another point. I'm going to teach them my XYZ formula. Okay, great. Then we're going to move on. And we're going to continue asking why. And we're going to pull all of that information out until you've kind of reached the top of your, your umbrella, right? Like we have now all of this content that we've pulled out. Um, I, I again use it as the example of my six-year-old son. He always asks me, why mommy? Why mommy? Right. And, and so, right. Why? Well, because we're going to the store. Why? Well, because we have to get milk. Why? So think about that. Extract as much information as you can using the umbrella method and pull, pull, pull until again, you can't get there anymore. And you'll, you'll, you'll notice on your whiteboard, on your notebook that you will have now developed your event foundation and you're going to build up that, that strategy. Yeah. Oh, and like most of us, I'm imagining your six-year-old goes, why, 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 until it comes down to um, how it directly affects him. We're going to get milk so that you can eat cereal. You know, it's, <laughs> oh, so it's about me. That's fine. We can move on from there. Uh, so I love what you're talking about, though. You're talking about developing y- your strategy. It's, it's about identifying your community. It's then about what it is that you want to do. And uh, then as you kind of extrapolate all that out, how you're going to do it and and laying the whole thing out. It makes a whole lot of sense. And I'm assuming that is 90 days kind of standard because listen, as a speaker, I have, I'm doing conferences or I, I did conferences that were started planning as much as a year or more out. Uh, Are you suggesting like small businesses can do this in a, a 90 day planning um, although if you're going to have the, a larger event, you're going to need more than 90 days. Is is that right? Right. So um, I, I wanted to clarify because the 90 days is really just for a small s- scale virtual event, like a okay. Zoom, 10 people, 20 people, 
even 25, that's, that's good. That's where you want to stay. You can plan that out in 90 days Got for it. sure. Yeah. Okay. If you have a larger event, Rob, yeah, absolutely. You're going to need a, a lot more lead time, especially if you're working with a virtual event platform, you need to, because they essentially give you just a, you know, a white um, label of their platform and you have to upload all of that information and you have to get that ready. So we're talking a lead time of three to six months at that point, depending on how big your virtual event is. Yeah. And that, that makes exactly a whole lot of sense as to what I was thinking about. And, but I think I just want to highlight what you said, that even if you're just doing an event that is 10, 20, 25 people, you still need to have a lot of planning that goes into it. And you've got to start. Uh, it's, and I guess, again, from my speaking perspective, there's people that view Zoom as it's kind of easy to it's easy to use and everybody's just kind of used to using it. And so we can just throw something together. And yeah. if you just, <laughs> if you just throw something together, it looks like you just threw it together. Just and threw it's something. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's poor planning, right? And, and you want it to be valuable. I mean, content, content, you know, as we know is, is king, right? Everyone, oh, content is king. We're going to make a valuable. Um, now I always think that the experience is queen because, because experience in this right now is what we need. The experience that goes into it. How can you, um, have great content hundred percent, but now how can you strategize to make that experience even better? Because that's where it's at right now. We're yeah. bored right? The yep. world is bored and we need that experience. So extrapolate some fun, have some, you know, engagement, bring your pets to the, you know, to your screen, um, you know, do something different, right? Somebody, one of my um, other clients shaved his head as, as like this, you know, this strategy and this, and it worked. People were talking about it for, for months after, I mean, don't, don't do, I'm not saying shave, your head, okay. but it was, yeah, don't do it. But I'm just saying that it was, it was like this huge experience because he, he made it very, it was very disruptive. Right. So. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. But it's, um, everybody's doing zoom meetings. It's figuring out how to make your zoom meeting or how to make whatever virtual platform you're using, how to make your meeting stand out from everybody else's. I, um, Absolutely. And, and Rob writes, the thing is with zoom, um, I, I do these uh, quarterly events with a company and they, we do zoom, right? I mean, that's my favorite event to go to. And I'll tell you why um, she, we have a theme for each event that we do. We have a theme this, this time was Christmas because it was obviously we're right into December right. and everybody dressed up to the nines. Everybody's background had Christmas theme. It was so great. We played music. Um, we had a shopping experience. We did breakout rooms. We laughed, we cried, we, we sang, we danced. I mean, it was the best four hours of my life. Cool. And I, I produce uh, next week alone, I have three virtual events that I'm doing. Um, but those ones really stick out because they have a sense of community and they have a, a, have a great time on Zoom. Yeah. And basically, this takes me back to my childhood and hearing my dad. And he, my dad taught me that proper prior planning prevents poor performance. Yeah, and exactly. I uh, love that. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. It, it's a matter of getting things done and getting them done right. Uh, one of the things you mentioned really early on, or maybe I mentioned in the intro, was about sponsorship and about getting yes. sponsors. Can you give us some some ideas on it, like who is out there, why are they sponsoring, and how do you get sponsors? Right. That's a great question. So 
I'm a big believer in your lowest hanging fruit, just like I said, you're, you know, you serve your community first. Um, same with sponsorship. Sponsorship is all about the connections and the relationships you've already built with current provider service providers. So for instance, if you're using, you know, Slack, Asana, um, Trello, whatever service providers you are using right now, um, you know, reach out to them and see what their marketing initiatives are. Um, another great way to see and to figure out what they're working on is going to their social media pages, signing up for their newsletters. Where are they hanging out? What are they doing? Are they interested in product launches? Um, Are they focusing on entrepreneurship? So you can actually do this and research yourself. And then a great pitch um, to them. Hi, I'm I'm hosting a virtual event. You're naming all of your, you know, um, XYZ. And I'm I'm thinking of, um, you know, I'm wondering if I can talk to somebody about potential partnership, what that would look like. Um, And that's your pitch. You also want to think about what you have to offer and and what kind of assets you can um, deliver. Because at that point, they're going to come back and say, great, let's get on a call. And, you know, what, what's in it for me? Sure. So be prepared again, be prepared with all the information, um, what kind of um, opportunities are available for your sponsors, and then also your price points, what are you going to offer? We don't want to, you know, with virtual events, I, I'm not saying um, I see a big decline in price points in in versus live events. Um, I think the opportunity and the value is still there, if not more so, because we are reaching greater audiences than just in a live event, right? Some some conferences that I'm doing, instead of 200 people, we're, ha- we're seeing 500 people sign sure. up because of the accessibility. Uh, yeah, I guess my question that, just to, to kind of wrap things up on that, is there a is there a threshold that you would say you have to have at least this many people to secure sponsorship? I mean, the more people, the better. But again, I've seen some of my clients have a small, intimate retreat of fifty people get sponsorship, um, and all the way up to thousands of people. So it really depends on the on your relationship with the sponsor, and and what you've cultivated. So. Starting now, um, even if it's not right away, because my second favorite answer is no to a sponsor. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. If they respond and said, no, not right now, now you have a foot in the door. Now sure. you can check up and you can follow up in the next you know, months or so. Well, you've established a relationship. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Listen, um, Alicia, you have been fantastic and you've given us a lot of stuff to think about. If people are looking to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Right. Well, thanks so much, Rob. So you can find me. It's a mouthful, but it's adventistrybyalicia.com. Um, and that's A-L-E-C-I-A.com. Um, and I hang out on Instagram, eventistrybyalicia. I'm on Facebook as well. And um, I have a six-figure event podcast. Oh, fantastic. And I will put links to all of that in the show notes so that people can can find you and um, hopefully hook up with you and see what they can, uh, see how you can work together and host some not just everyday <laughs> run-of-the-mill Zoom calls that are going to be a yawn fest, but something that Absolutely. people are going to remember and people are going to talk about. And, you know, it's going to be, I don't want to be trite when I say this, but it will be an event and and not just a, another meeting. Exactly. Uh, cool. You've been fantastic. I feel like I've learned a bunch from you. You are obviously smart. Thank you so much, we, we are at the point where we get to do my favorite thing, and that is three questions to establish your humanity. 
<laughs> Great. Are you I ready for wait. this? I, I think. Okay. So um, being Canadian, Ooh. the question is, A, are you a hockey fan? And B, who's your team? Oh, gosh. Well, I am a hockey fan. And I would have to say that and people are going to hate me because I'm near Toronto. I'm not a Leafs fan. <laughs> but I, my, my dad and I, we grew up with uh, the Boston Bruins. So, oh, okay. You know. Ugh, so I'm I in, know. I'm in Pittsburgh. So I'm a Penguins fan. And um, either way, you were gonna, it, you couldn't go right there. So, <laughs> but it's all good. Uh, Next question is, what is your favorite holiday meal? Like, what, is, what would be your go-to Christmas dinner? Oh, hands down turkey. Like, I love Thanksgiving. I'm a big, I love turkey. I love the smell. I love the stuffing. I love the mashed potatoes, all the fixings. I'm, yeah, huge turkey fan. Wow. Okay. I will have to say, I, that was what we classically got for Christmas when I was growing up. I Somewhere... Somebody in our family decided that uh, to have steak on Christmas. And oh, so, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So my brother-in-law is outside in the 20-degree weather grilling steaks for Christmas dinner. Uh, and, you know, the grill doesn't know that it's 20 degrees. And um, it's uh, it's fantastic. And um, listen, anytime that you can have steak, I'm, a, I, I'm not a, I'm a definitely... Too. An omnivore, but if I could be a meditarian, I, I would go with that. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I like a good steak. I don't eat steak m very often, but I'm on board. Sign me up. Excellent. Uh, and last question for you. It, what advice did your parents give you um, that has stuck with you to this day? And it could, oh. be, <laughs> it could be mom, dad, or both. I mean here's funny here's a here's a funny piece of advice that I never stuck but they always told me get a real job go to school and get a pen get a pension benefits <laughs> and that's always stuck with me because I went the complete opposite way at age 19 that's my first business and I was always I've always been a business owner <laughs> so so uh, basically you got Mom and dad were well-intentioned and to them, they gave you the logical answer. But they at did. the end of the day, um, they gave you the advice that you chose not to go with. And look where you are today. You've, you've made exactly. it. In spite exactly. Exactly. listening. I, they, I mean, I, may, I did some tumbles along the way, but you know, here yeah. I am today. Listen, all of you kids that are out there that are listening to this program, um, let me just tell you, this is not a good idea. You should listen to your parents because they're really smart. <laughs> but every now and then, Sometimes they'll give you some advice that, um, as well-intentioned as it is, it just doesn't work out. So They listen. were also business owners, Rob. They were also business owners. Oh, that's so hilarious. That's, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Fantastic. Hey, Alicia, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing. To all my listeners, I thank you for being with us today. I would encourage you again, uh, subscribe. Just join us whenever you can and give us feedback. We're always happy to hear from you. I will remind you, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.